It's October 28th as this episode comes out, which means it is almost Halloween, which means we will be um, opening our, our Secret Satan gifts. And um, at this point, we are... Uh, at the point of recording this, we are unaware of what our um, schedule will be on Halloween, but we will be doing a live stream at some point. And maybe you'll know because maybe we'll have posted it already. We probably will. But the time of recording this, I don't know what it is. I I don't know which way know. is up. I don't know which way is down. Like I, I'm not a wealth of information right now. No. Um, we are, though, a wealth of spooky stories. We are. Yes. Because... Because As we're crime tradition culture. Holds, oh, I did it again. We are. As tradition holds, we are doing our last episode of Spooktober, talking about some spooky stories. Did we ever think that we were going to end up doing this every Spooktober? Because I sure as fuck didn't. Here we are. It's a great way it to was, round it out. It is a great way to round it out. And we've got some really good ones. I mm-hmm. went the route of uh, choosing some shorter ones this year. So I have a couple of them, but they're like good and short. They really, they really get to the point. Okay, and if size does matter to you and you prefer them long, I got you, boo. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's just jump into it. I think we each have five, so we're going to yep. jump into it and uh, let's get this shit going. Hells yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? I've, I know we discussed this right before we hit record, but it's gone out my brain. It's you. All right. It's me. It's always me. Um, it's it's all about me. So first up, we are going to hear the story High Beams. And mm. that is, you've definitely heard of this. There's a fuck ton of versions of it. It's a classic. And okay. I was like, what better way to start off than with a classic? Um, Let's get into it. And this has been included in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, there's a version of it that was on the the spooky show Scream Queens. Um, like a small storyline had to do with it. And so hopping mm-hmm. right in. So as the woman drove down a deserted highway, she noticed a lone pair of headlights quickly approaching her car from behind. Note, if you are driving behind a woman, do not do this. Anyway, back to the story. Um, when the car came closer, she noticed that it was going to overtake her. The car drew up beside her, but then the driver suddenly swerved back behind her car. She started getting nervous and kept an eye on the strange car in her rearview mirror. He pulled up dangerously close to her rear (laughs) bumper and began flashing his high beams at her. (laughs) Haley's, the look of disappointment, I can't speak, the look of disappointment on Haley's face right now. Um, the, The headlights dimmed for a moment, but then the high beams flashed again and the car behind her surged forward. The car followed her very closely, and on tight curves or over hills, he would flash his high beams on and off. The frightened woman struggled to keep her eyes on the road and fought the urge to keep looking at the car behind her. Finally, she approached her exit, but the car continued to follow, flashing the high beams again and again and again. The terrified woman took out her cell phone and dialed 911. When the operator answered, the woman screamed into the phone, a car is following me. He keeps tailgating and blinking his lights at me. The woman gave her address, and in a few minutes, she saw the red and blue lights of a police car in the distance. She breathed a sigh of relief as she pulled into her driveway, but suddenly the strange car pulled into the driveway behind her and began flashing its high beams on again and again like a maniac. 
the police car screeched to a halt on the woman's front lawn, and two police officers jumped out with their guns drawn. A cab. They pulled the man out of the strange car and forced him to lie face down on the lawn. When they handcuffed him, he screamed, There's someone in her car! There's someone in her car! Mm. The two policemen suddenly pointed their guns in the woman's direction and fired. The woman screamed, but when she turned around, she saw the bloody corpse of a murderer fall out of her back seat. There was a large butcher knife still clasped in his cold, dead hand. The police searched her back seat and found duct tape, a blindfold, and a pair of handcuffs lying there. The woman realized that the man in the strange car had been trying to save her. When the police released him, he explained that as he pulled up behind her car and his headlights lit up her back seat, he had seen a man with a butcher knife rising up behind her. Just as the madman was about to stab her, the man flashed his high beams and the figure would crouch back down again. He said, I flashed my high beams every time I saw him raise the knife. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. I'm Eric this time. I feel like that is uh, like an urban legend. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like one that I've heard all the time. Yeah. I've heard different versions where like she, this one's a little more modern where she calls the police. Other ones she drives to the police station, which if somebody is crazy and following you, that is actually now we've got a, a teachable moment here, Haley. Yeah, because that's what you need to do is you need to a pull into if not a police station, because again, a cab into a fire station into just like a public area where there are people who can help you. Um, a hospital yep. might be another good one, but never Maybe something never, with cameras, something with cameras, like a grocery store, even like just never, never, never. Drive go home. House. Yes. Yeah. Never go home. Do not go home because then they know where you live. Like as scary as this is, it will be much scarier if these people know where you live. Yeah. So just do not do that. Also, if there is a like and I've heard of this happening and it's similar. If you are driving down the road and suddenly you're you're in like a really deserted area or whatever, and what looks to be a police car is flashing its lights at you and is telling you to pull over, you can also call. It depends on what area of the country you're in or what country you're in in general i should say um but you can call the non-emergency number and they can talk to dispatch and see if there is a police car in your area and yep. let that police car if it is a police car know that you are pulling over when there's a more populated location or a more well-lit situation or you can't pull over on the side of the road there's nowhere to like pull over off onto so you can do that like there are there are ways to yeah. like protect yourself and lord knows you best protect yourself or also else you might uh, wreck yourself yeah check your back seat before you get in Always and under your car. My friend's yeah. mom. Oh, that's terrifying. I don't like that. My friend's mom had a friend in high school and somebody was hiding under her car and grabbed her and <gasps> did unspeakable things when they were teenagers. Oh, my God. Um, that's so, so that's, terrifying. Yeah, that is something I always kind of just like do. I don't do a quick look because quite honestly, I don't know what I would do if I found something. <laughs> <laughs> that I did yeah. not want there but I just do like a quick look or I always keep like only one foot on the ground or like you know the things that women get to go through oh so much fun uh, how lucky to be a woman yeah um my first one is called headaches you give me headaches <laughs> this is well mm. uh -oh. I also want to note that I picked all of these many months ago 
and I have not reread them since I picked them. Ooh. So we're all going to experience them together for maybe the first time. I love I don't it. I fucking remember. We love a twist. We do. So this is Headaches by D. Fulkerson. Mm-hmm. And here we go. It's a stabbing pain, really. It comes suddenly, without warning. I don't know how many doctors I've seen. Migraine? Migraine medications didn't help. Tension headaches? Please. I'm fine most of the time, but then it hits. It hits right behind my eye. It attacks me. Like some tiny demon with an ice pick, stabbing my eye. It comes without warning, without pity, and without remorse. It attacked me in my car once. I crashed into a parked car. I got sued. Really, it's not fair. It wasn't my fault. When it attacks, my eyes water and my nose runs. I can't see. All I feel is the stabbing, angry pain trying to pop out my eye. It happened once at my job. I screamed and everyone thought I was crazy. All it takes is one time doing something out of the norm and I'm labeled as crazy. No one understands. I can't sleep. I can't work. I can't drive. I can't wait for the demon. I, I mean, I just wait for the demon to attack. I tried medication. Really, I did everything they told me. Pain medications, seizure medications, yoga, meditation, everything. I tried drugs. All of them, really. I tried marijuana, Percocet, even heroin. My demon just laughed at the drugs. I got caught. I got caught with Percocet. My parents think I'm a criminal. It's not my fault. It's the demon. It's always the demon. He screeches. He's coming back. I don't know when. I don't know where. But he always comes back. The anticipation is almost worse than the stab. All day I just wait. I wait for the demon. Sometimes he comes. Sometimes he doesn't. I think he just laughs at me. It's not fair. I didn't ask for this. My doctor said uh, it was an ice pick headache. Well, that's what it feels like. A demon with an ice pick. A demon stabbing me. I hate him. I thought I could stab him back. I didn't want to go without a fight, you know? So I got my own ice pick. I got my own ice pick and sliced out my eye. Ah! Can you imagine plucking out your own eye? No! But it didn't help. It didn't help. I don't know what else to do. Suicide? Ah. Maybe. But maybe I can get rid of the demon by finding him a new home. Maybe he'd like somebody else. Maybe he'll move on. And maybe I'll be free. I'll get my life back. I know it's not fair, but it's not fair that I have to go through this. It's not fair. Maybe if someone else feels an ice pick through their eye, they'll understand. Maybe the demon will go to them. Anyway, that's why you're here. I'm sorry. Really, I am. But I don't know what else to do. Please stop struggling. It's going to make things worse. Fuck no, Haley. Also, I'm going to say that every single one of those sentences was no more than like four words. They were all separate Oh, that's fucking sentences. creepy. That's creepy. <laughs> that's also creepy. I don't know why it's creepy, but it's creepy. But also, God damn, haven't you ever heard of a migraine, motherfucker? They said it's not migraines. They said I they mean, tried. They, they tried all say the, it's anything, everything. But like, oh my God, switch your birth control. Do something. Like, oh, that was... I also don't do well with like that. Well, I don't do well with a lot of things, but... <laughs> yeah, I usually pick creepier ones. Yeah, anyway. that's... Well, but no, it's more of the like the... the I don't do well with like eye shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's uh, I don't do well with eye and like tooth things. Like in horror movies, yeah, if you're gonna rip yeah. someone's teeth out or something like that. Right. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't I uh, uh, no 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 no. All right. Well <sighs> Jesus Haley, that gave me the heebie jeebies. Um, well, it's almost Halloween. Can we still say so. that? That's true. Yeah. It's very on brand. Um I guess in that case you were successful. Congratulations. Thank um, you. <laughs> 
Um, next up, I am going to be doing a story called The Drum. Um, mm. It's a version of this story was featured in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark under the name The Drum, but it's also based on a folktale. And like the one I just told, um, there's just been multiple titles and versions over the years, including The Pear Drum and another version called The New Mother by Lucy Clifford. And mm. there's also a decidedly not chill title for the little girl with the drum in this story. Spoiler alert. So I've just changed her title to Mystery Girl, which okay. honestly sounds creepier anyway. Like when you think of a little girl that's just like a mystery girl compared to like Aunt girl. Like I, yeah. I prefer it. So there we go. All right. All right. So once upon a time, there were two little girls. Their names were Blue Eyes and Turkey. Gwyneth Paltrow's kids I don't know uh, Blue Eyes was named after the color of her dress and Turkey after the red dress she wore they lived in a little house on the moor with their mother and their baby brother Arthur their father was a sailor and he was always away at sea traveling to faraway lands one day Blue Eyes and Turkey went for a walk on the moor when they met a mystery girl playing on a little drum as she played a little mechanical man and woman came out of the drum and danced Blue Eyes and Turkey were enchanted. They had never seen such an amazing toy, and they begged the mystery girl to give them the drum. The girl just laughed and said, I will give it to you, but only if you are very naughty. Come back tomorrow and tell me how naughty you were. Then we shall see. As soon as Blue Eyes and Turkey got home, they began to behave as badly as they could. They started shouting, they spilled their food on the floor, they drew all over the walls with their crayons and refused to go to bed. The two sisters did everything they could think of that would upset their mother. The next day, they got up very early and hurried out onto the moor. There they found the mystery girl playing with her drum, and they cried, We were very naughty yesterday. Can we please have the drum now? Tell me what you did, the mystery girl replied. So they told her. And the mystery girl just laughed. Oh no, she said. You were only a little bit naughty. You're going to have to be far worse than that if you want this drum. So the girls returned home again. And as soon as they arrived, they were as naughty as they could be. They threw their cups on the floor. They tore their clothes. They walked in mud up to their knees and pulled up all the flowers in the garden. And they also let the pig out of the pen and let it run away. Their mother was even more horrified than before by their behavior. And she said, if you don't stop this, I will go away and take Arthur with me and you will get a new mother, one with glass eyes and a wooden tail. That scared Blue Eyes and Turkey. They loved their mother and they loved their baby brother, Arthur. They couldn't imagine being without them and the thought of it made them cry. Their mother said, I don't want to leave you, but unless you change your behavior, I will have to go away. We'll be good, the little girls promised. Yet, they didn't really believe that their mother would go away. Blue Eyes said later, she's just trying to scare us. Turkey said, we'll get the drum tomorrow. Then we can go back to being good again. The next day, the girls got up very early and rushed off to meet the mystery girl. When they found her, she was playing with the drum again and the little mechanical man and woman were dancing back and forth. That must be bad enough to get the drum, they said after telling her of their antics. Oh no, replied the little girl with a smile. You will have to be much worse than that. But we promised our mother we would be on our best behavior from now on, said the sisters. If you really want the drum, said the mystery girl, you must be naughtier. It's only for one more day. 
blue eyes told Turkey, Okay, then we can have the drum. I hope you're right, Turkey said nervously. Again, she told them they had not been naughty enough. You must be really bad, she stressed. As soon as the girls got home that evening, they set about being as naughty as possible. This time, they broke the kitchen table and chairs, they smashed all the fine china and ripped their clothes to shreds. And as if that wasn't enough, the girls whipped the dog. They beat their baby brother with a stick, and they punched their mother in the face. Their mother began to cry. Blue eyes and turkey, she sobbed, you're not keeping your promise. If you don't stop being so naughty, I will have to go away, and instead you will have a new mother with glass eyes and a wooden tail to live with you. We will be good, said Blue Eyes. We promise, said Turkey. I hope so, said their mother. I can't wait much longer. Please, you have to try to behave yourselves. However, these two little girls still had their hearts set on that fucking drum. So when they were alone, they said to each other, tomorrow will be good. Once again, once we have the drum, everything will be fine and we'll be good again. Early the next morning, before their mother woke up, Blue Eyes and Turkey ran out onto the moor, and there they found the mystery girl. They told her all about the bad things they had done the day before. We were horrid, said Turkey. We were worse than we have ever been, said Blue Eyes. You have to give us the drum now. That's when they noticed that the mystery girl wasn't playing with the drum. In fact, it was nowhere to be seen. Where is the drum? The sisters cried. The mystery girl just laughed. <laughs> it's gone. My family is all going away today. I am the last to leave. But we did as you told us, cried Blue Eyes and Turkey. The mystery girl laughed again and said, Yes, I know. You have been really naughty, and now your mother has gone away. Far, far away. And instead, you have a mother with glass eyes and a wooden tail. Blue Eyes and Turkey began to cry. They rushed home as quickly as they could, but their mother and Arthur were gone. Maybe she's just out shopping, said Blue Eyes, hopefully. Yes, should, they'll be back soon, I'm sure of it, said Turkey, trying to reassure herself. But lunchtime came and went, and they were still not back. Soon, night fell, and Blue Eyes and Turkey began to feel lonely and scared. The lights in the house were off, but when they peered through the window after wandering the moor, they could see their mother's glass eyes glistening in the glow of the firelight and could hear her wooden tail thumping on the floor. That gave me fucking Coraline vibes. I just was like, uh, like all I had to hear was glass eyes and I was like, fuck no. So what happened to the drum? That's the whole point. Like the girl was never giving them the drum. She just wanted them to be fucking miserable. This is also, oh, like again, one remember i said that the 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 title of this little girl was not the nicest and her family okay. traveled a lot and okay. it it was it was this is they're talking about moors this is clearly like a a uk based kind of story if you're yeah, catching my drift it. this was but again the coraline part scared me and i was like i can fix part of this and i tried my best to fix part of it Oh, thank right. you. Thank you, Mom. Uh, my next one is called Friends by Vish P. V-I-S-H-P. So that's uh I think it's from like you got your you got like backstories to yours. I think mine are all from like creepypasta.com or like spooky stories dot 
spook. <laughs> oh, I love that website. That's <laughs> oh, my favorite. Um, so here we go. I don't remember much about my childhood, like most people. Those memories are always vague, and eventually you realize whatever you remember is probably just a reconstructed memory. You don't have much choice in the matter, and are usually convinced that your memory would never fail you. My first memory was when I was five. I'm not sure if it's real or not, but that's when I met Michael. I never had any friends, so I was glad when I met him. He called me Jack, and I liked it. As uncertain as I am, if I remember our first encounter, there's no doubting the strong bond we immediately formed. I won't bore you with the details of what we did every day for the past few years, but I will outline some of the things we did together to assure even the most skeptical amongst the readers of our friendship. Michael, being slightly effeminate child, didn't have many friends at school either. He was bullied, and the highlight of his day was coming home and sharing a cup of tea with me, all the while telling me of his woes and lessening his burden. The tea, unlike my words of consolation, was make-believe. Another one of his favorite activities was cutting my hair. He would style it in all sorts of ways, and I enjoyed each one of them. Fortunately for him, my hair grew inexplicably fast, and he often got the chance to restyle it. There was one thing that constantly strained our relationship, though. Don't get me wrong, Michael and I had absolutely no hard feelings towards each other. It was his parents. I don't think they approved of me, and I couldn't tell you why, even if I tried. It wasn't just disapproval. I began to think they hated me. The longer our friendship lasted, the worse it got. It pains me to even think about it, so I won't dwell on this for long. As quickly as our relationship had initially flourished, it began to diminish after two years. Michael grew to become a stocky football player, and I remained exactly the same as before, scrawny and completely incapable of competing athletically. He made new friends and started to ignore me. This hurt me a lot, especially since I was there for him in his time of need. His abandoning me was the last thing I expected, and it hit me hard. I felt like I had no one left in the world. As I sit in the corner of the room and write this, I can see Michael and his friends watching TV. Sometimes it seems like he notices me and looks my way, but I know better. I have now resigned to my fate. He created me, but forgot to destroy me. What the fuck is this thing, Haley? Uh, it's a make-believe. It's a, I, a imaginary friend. I'm. Oh God, this is why children should not have imaginary friends. That right there is why children. That's. Oh my God, that's so creepy. Yeah. Oh, now, I love it. Everyone, think about your imaginary friends and when was the last time you thought about them? And guess what? They're following you. Fuck. Dun, dun, dun. Wait. So Michael's not my boyfriend? No. No, he's an imaginary friend. <gasps> he doesn't exist. Dun, dun, dun! Yep. <laughs> that explains a few things. Um, all right. Next up, I have... It's called Sounds. And... Fun. A version of this story appeared in More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but it's actually a true fucking ghost story about mm. a haunted house in Mobile, Alabama called the Madison Mansion. So if you are from Alabama, if you have ever been to this mansion this madison mansion like let let us know let us know what if you've if if you've experienced anything and what if you have but getting right into it a long time ago there was a house that stood on the bay near mobile alabama 
It was known as the Madison Mansion, and it had been vacant and boarded up for years. Most people in the area kept well away from it, frightened by its uncanny reputation. Anyone who passed by couldn't help wondering what evil had transpired in the old place. Trespassers who dared to enter the house usually fled during the night, telling tales so grisly that they were almost beyond belief. One night, three fishermen were caught in a quick-moving storm and managed to make their way back down to shore. Drenched by the rain, they spotted the mansion and decided to take shelter in the rickety old place. Once inside, they made a fire in the fireplace to keep themselves warm and ate a cold supper. Then, the three men pulled their oilskin coats tightly around them and laid down on the floor to try and get some sleep. However, as soon as they dozed off, they were plagued by terrible nightmares of treachery and murder. Lying awake, the men heard the unmistakable sound of footsteps upstairs. It sounded like more than one person, marching back and forth. "'Who's there?' called one of the fishermen. The footsteps suddenly stopped. They heard a woman scream. The scream turned into a groan and then died away. The house was quiet again. Until the man who had called out before felt something splash against his forehead. Something was dripping from the ceiling and forming a small puddle on the floor. To their horror, the fisherman realized it was blood. All of a sudden, a door upstairs crashed open and the floor shook with the sound of heavy footsteps. It sounded like a woman was being chased by a man. The frightened fisherman heard disembodied voices in the darkness, a man shouting in anger, a woman crying out in pain. They heard objects being flung here and there with a crash. Long howls of horrible laughter rose and filled the house. It went on and on until the fishermen thought they would go mad. Then, suddenly, there was silence. The fishermen huddled together and listened. After a few minutes, they heard something coming down the stairs. It sounded like someone dragging something heavy that bumped on each rotten step. The scraping and thumping noises came through the front hall and the front door opened. It sounded like something was flung outside, landing with a thump among the weeds. Then the door slammed shut, and again, there was silence. There was a thunderstorm outside, and the house trembled as if it was about to collapse. Rain was pounding against the sagging walls. The terrified fishermen couldn't bear to stay in the place a moment longer and decided to flee. Just as they reached the door, a flash of lightning filled every room in the house with a green blaze, and one of the men saw a ghastly face staring at them from the stairs. It was so horrible that it looked as if it came from hell itself. A crash of thunder deafened and terrified the men. And then they ran out into the storm, never to return. Nobody knew for sure what terrible deeds had been done in that house. The mansion was built shortly after the American Revolution by an Englishman named Madison, who was a rich recluse. He lived there with his daughter, who he told everyone was mentally ill. Nobody ever saw her, and the servants were kept well away from her. They never had any visitors and never went out. And then one day, without a word of warning, Madison suddenly left for England and wrote to his servants, instructing them to sell the house. His daughter didn't leave with him, but she was no longer there. She just disappeared and was never found. And after that, the house mysteriously changed hands many times, as if nobody could stay there for very long. Dun-dun-dun. I love those kind of spooky right? stories like I wanna that. I want to know what happened to the Madison child. I just, yeah. ooh, ooh, give me more of that, please.
I yeah, love, spooky, I love spook. spooky houses are like, ooh. Oh, I'm so into, and I think I've talked about this before. I used to teach sailing. I know we said we say no tangents. This is fast. I, I actually used to teach sailing on a bay that there was this giant house that was overlooked, looking the bay, and it was said to be haunted. And there was like <gasps> a whole love thing. That. Yeah, like I love a, a seaside haunted place. Yes, yes, yes. And it's got like all of like the nautical, like, you know what I mean? Like it was owned by a captain. Yeah. Like yeah. all the shit that went down. It was stormy. Like it's got yeah. all that good shit. Yeah, I love that shit. Give me that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh well, this one. Do you know any Disney adults? <laughs> <laughs> Not only do I know some Disney adults, you forget. I live near Disney, so I have seen probably a, a a disproportionate number compared to like other people. It's it's we're filthy with them out here. Well, we'll see how you <laughs> feel about this one, because this is called a real life Disney princess. And oh, I believe no. it was on it was on Reddit and it was by user attacked underscore by underscore a underscore swan <gasps> like in gilmore girls jess gets beaked by a swan sure oh i feel better now because rory should have picked jess with so. under, underscores oh i'm in okay. a good place well <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts <laughs> uh so a real life disney princess my sister megan's always been obsessed with disney princesses Every Halloween, she dressed up as a different Disney princess. For Christmas, she asked for a limited edition Disney princess doll. Once, she was ev she even asked our parents to legally change her name to Aurora. Her fascination continued long after we were all grown up. Anytime Megan and I got together, she insisted we go and see one of the Disney remakes or a musical together, and no family gathering was complete without her off-key rendition of a classic Disney tune. It was annoying at times, but we all accepted that it was just a harmless quirk. We never expected anything dangerous to come of it. Nothing like what happened with our sister-in-law. Our brother Eric's fiance, Elsa, was stunning. Originally from Sweden, she was the stereotypical blonde, blue-eyed Scandinavian beauty with creamy skin and tall, willowy figure. As Eric explained to us, Elsa is a fairly common name in that part of the world. It wasn't a huge coincidence that she had the same name as the Frozen character. But Megan Wait. quickly became obsessed with her. Uh-uh. You know no, 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 I don't. No, but right. I feel like, uh-uh, no. Anytime Eric brought Elsa over for family events, Megan would stare and stare at her, making everyone uncomfortable, poor Elsa most of all. And she wouldn't stop gushing about Elsa to anyone who'd listen, about her pretty dresses, her elegant mannerisms, and her regal demeanor. A real-life Disney princess, she breathed. Mm. Megan wasn't invited to the wedding, it wasn't a personal slight. At least Eric swore it wasn't. They just ran into last minute logistical issues and ended up having to downsize the wedding in Sweden where most of us couldn't make it anyway. But I could tell Megan was really, really upset. She unfriended Elsa on Facebook, which for her was a big deal as she loved to keep tabs on our entire extended family. The two of them didn't meet again until months after the wedding at our parents' annual Christmas party. Surprisingly, everyone seemed fine. Megan greeted Elsa warmly, and soon everyone, they started chatting like real sisters. The booze flowed freely, stories were swapped, and everyone was having a good time. As the guests started to leave, Eric asked if anyone had seen his wife. No one had, 
not for a while, and several of us started looking for her together. Megan didn't get involved in the search. I figured it was because she felt awkward about the previous drama between her and Elsa, but as we passed her, she made an odd remark. The cold never bothered her anyway, she said and laughed. No! (laughs) We didn't know what that meant, not until a guest opened our parents' extra-large freezer in the basement and discovered Elsa's frozen corpse. She was bound and gagged, the gag had slipped loose, and she died screaming. Unfortunately, no one had heard the sound of Meg... No one had heard her over the sound of Megan's shrill rendition of Let It Go. No! Fuck that shit! Also, it doesn't help that my sister is Megan. I know. That, and the, the other one said Michael. a targeted Michael. attack. I know. Well, yeah, but Michael is basically my imaginary friend. No, like, yeah. this is a targeted attack. Like, oh my is god. Is your sister a Disney adult? No, no, she's not. She was Mulan for three Halloweens in a row. But no, she was not. Is not. Um, she's not in a freezer. She's in Connecticut and it's about to get cold. So it could be a freezer, but, um, that's, oh my God, that's so, and that's like a a modern one too. Like the, like that's, that makes it more chilling. Yeah. Attacked by a swan. Thank you very much. That was a very good one. I'm so sorry you got beaked. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. (laughs) I mean, it happens to the best of us. Am I right? No. What's your next one? Okay. Um, my next one is called the curse. And no relation to our episode that we just did. Um, I just, it, it worked out that way. It happened to happen All that right. way. Fun um, and this is from More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And that's as much backstory as I'm going to give you. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> My dad's friend, Charlie Potter, was a small, nervous man who was always looking around as if he was in some kind of danger. After he told me this story about his college fraternity, I understood why. The frat doesn't exist anymore, he said. It was banned years ago. We had just nine members at that point, and we were taking in two more, Jack Lawton and Ernie Kramer. One night in January, just about this time of year, he said, the nine of us took them out into the country for their initiation. We took them to an old, deserted house where two young men about our age had been murdered recently. In fact, the murderer was still at large. We gave Jack a lighted candle and told him to go up to the third floor. We told him, stay there for an hour, then come back down. Don't speak, don't make any noise. If your candle goes out, carry on in the dark. From where we were standing, we could see the light from Jack's candle moving up the stairs to the second floor, then to the third. But when he got to the third floor, his candle went out. We guessed that he'd come into a drafty corner and the wind blew it out. But when the hour went by and he didn't come down, we weren't so sure. We waited another 15 minutes and got more and more nervous, so we sent Ernie Kramer up there after him. When Ernie got to the third floor, his candle also went out. We waited. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, but there was no sign of either of them. Come on down, we called, but they didn't answer. Finally, we decided to go in and get them. Armed with flashlights, we started up the stairs. It was as quiet and dark as a grave in that house. When we got to the second floor, we called out again, but there was no answer. When we got to the third floor, we walked into a great big open space like an attic. Jack and Ernie weren't there, but we saw footprints in the dust. This led to a room on the other side of the attic. That room was also empty, but there was fresh blood on the floor and the window was wide open. It was about 20 feet to the ground, but there was no ladder or rope in sight that they could have used to get down. 
We searched the rest of the house and the land around the house and found nothing. We decided they were playing a trick on us. We figured that in some way they had escaped through the window and were hiding in the woods. The blood on the floor was just to throw us off their tracks. We guessed that they'd show up the next day with a lot of stories and a lot of laughs. But then they didn't. The next day, we told the dean of men what had happened, and he reported it to the police. The police didn't find anything either, and after a few weeks, the search ended. To this day, no one knows what happened to Jack Lawton and Ernie Kramer. There isn't much more to tell, he said. We weren't arrested, but the college disbanded the fraternity and suspended the nine of us from school for a year. The strangest part came after we graduated. Someone must have placed a curse on us, because every year since then, around the time of that initiation, one of us has either died or gone crazy. I'm the only one left, he said, and I'm in pretty good health. But there are times when I just, I feel a little peculiar. Dun dun dun. Dun 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 dun. Done. I like that one. That, that's spooky. That's spooky. And like, I mean, hazing. Don't do it, guys. That's that's the moral of this story. But no, not chill. Decidedly not chill. But no, I should have I should have mentioned this in my curse episode. The the curse of the frat hazing. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, spooky, spooky. Uh, my next one is more of a. Actually, I don't want to spoil it. A limerick. I like this one. This is a this is a fun one. Uh, it is called Keep Talking, and it's another one from Reddit, I believe, by user CSTTITD. So, whatever that fuck that means. Okay. Uh, but they, they have a good spook story. So, Emily walked slowly towards the front door of her house. She grabbed the handle and turned it while mumbling. Emily kept mumbling words, not too soft and not too loud, just enough for another person to hear her. Her sore throat didn't help in her mumbling. The air around her was so hot it could bake a cake. She walked straight ahead into the grass. She stepped slowly and the heat started to make her feel dizzy. She felt her mouth drying up. Emily walked onto the field and stepped on an exposed nail. She screamed and watched her feet bleed. No matter how sad, angry, and tired Emily was, no tears formed in her eyes. She walked past a pile of corpses, bodies of the creatures, and her neighbors. She looked up into the sky, still mumbling words. The sun shone brightly. She continued mumbling. At this point, she wasn't even mumbling words anymore. They were sounds, mixed up letters. She had made up words so that she could keep talking. She remembered how normal things were yesterday. If I could only go back, she thought while mumbling. She'd been mumbling for as long as she could remember. She thought of the day before and realized nightfall hadn't occurred. So she wasn't sure how long it had been since they had arrived. She hadn't kept track of the time since the arrival of the creatures. Emily slowly walked towards a corpse. It looked familiar to her. Beside the corpse, Emily found a bloody notebook. She took it and read the open page that was partially covered in blood. She read the words aloud to replace her mumbling. Day 96. My name is John and I live with my wife and children. It's been a few months since the arrival of the creatures. Food and water supply is running out. Those creatures, there's something I haven't seen before. Their heads are extremely large with multiple layers. They're larger than people and they hunt by speech or I don't know. They have tentacles or something. From what I observed, 
If you start talking, they attach themselves onto your body. Then you need to keep talking or they'll kill you instantly. They stock up uh, they stock up the bodies and form a half a pyramid. They keep adding bodies to complete the pyramid. They're trying to make the pyramid reach the big circle that hovers above the skies since their arrival. This is my last entry since I'm running out of paper. To the person reading this, please look for my wife, Emily Calliston. She has long blonde hair and greed eyes. Honey, we tried. I love you. For the first time in a while, tears formed in her eyes. She stood still, not uttering anything. She closed her eyes and a shriek came from behind her. Oh my fuck. It felt very um, a quiet place to me. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. exactly. I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's yeah. creepy as fuck. I, I started reading this one when I was like looking for spooky stories. I started reading this one and I love the ones that like are paranormal, like mm -hmm. without you knowing. Yeah. Like, surprise paranormal yeah. is like surprise really paranormal. fun. It's a great category. It. Yeah. No, same. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, I yeah, liked I that. Like that that one. was spooky. Spooky. All right. My last one, I believe, is what what number we're on now. I'm great at keeping track in case you couldn't tell. Yeah, this is your last one. Okay. One. This is this is um like I would like to do like a big finish, but you know, sometimes there's a big finish and sometimes there's a fizzle, and this one's a little shorter. Okay. Um but this is called Something Was Wrong and it was in more scary stories to tell in the dark. Well, a, a version of it was, but it was originally based on a short story by Bennett Cerf in his, I think that's how you say it, C-E-R-F. Okay. Um, and that's, it, it was a short story in his book, Try and Stop Me. So. Okay. Dual the credit. Double the credit, double the fun. That's it. All right. Anywho. One morning, a man found himself walking along a deserted street in a small town. He had no idea what he was doing there, or how he got there in the first place, or where he had been earlier. He didn't even know what time it was. He saw a woman walking toward him and stopped her. I I'm afraid I forgot my watch, he said with a polite smile. Can you please tell me the time? When the woman saw him, she screamed and ran away. The man was shocked. A few minutes later, he noticed that other people were afraid of him, too. Whenever they saw him coming, they flattened themselves against a building, recoiling in horror or running across the street to stay out of his way. There must be something wrong with me, thought the man. I'd better go home as soon as possible. He hailed a taxi, but when the taxi driver pulled up and laid eyes on him, he floored the accelerator and sped away. This is crazy, the man said to himself. He couldn't figure out what was wrong, and had no idea what was going on. All he knew was that he was scared and confused and a little hungry. Maybe my wife can come and pick me up, he thought. He found a telephone and called home, expecting to hear his wife's sweet voice. Instead, a stranger's voice answered the phone. Confused, he asked, is, is Mrs. Sullivan there? I'm sorry, she isn't, the voice said. Her husband died a few days ago in a horrible car crash, and she's out attending his funeral. Dun, dun, dun. Mike fucking drop a little hungry because he's a zombie. Booyah. Yeah, I guess that one like. Oh, uh, fuck you. <laughs> it's good, though. I like it. I liked it. I was like, this is I mean, it's still like I was like, all right, there's something going on here. 
but I definitely I'm also not like There's you're a big walking dead happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that boarded on an evil laugh too. No, I liked that. I liked that. That was that was, that was a good there's one. something hinky going on here. That was funny. There's something hinky happening here. <laughs> uh my last one and the last one of this year is called Guardians and it's by Dark Alley Gator of the Galaxy. A L L I capital G A T O R. No. And this was on I can link it on our website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. Um, but I think it was just in an article of like, here's a bunch of spooky stories. Okay. Um, Good. So it's called Guardians. So here we go. He awoke to the huge insect-like creatures looming over his bed and screamed his lungs out. They hastily left the room and he stayed up all night, shaking and wondering if it had been a dream. The next morning, there was a tap on the door. Gathering his courage, he opened to see one of them gently place a plate with fried breakfast on the floor then retreated to a safe distance. Bewildered, he accepted the gift. The creatures chittered excitedly. This happened every day for weeks. At first, he was worried that they were fattening him up, but after a particularly greasy breakfast left him clutching his chest from heartburn, they were replaced with fresh fruits. As well as cooking, they poured hot steaming baths for him and even tucked him in when he went to bed. Aww. It was bizarre. One night, he awoke to gunshots and screaming. He raced downstairs to find a decapitated burglar being devoured by the insects. He was sickened, but disposed of the remains as best he could. He knew they had just been protecting him. One morning, the creatures wouldn't let him leave his room. He lay down, confused, but trusting as they had ushered him back into bed. Whatever their motives, they weren't going to hurt him. Hours later, a burning pain spread throughout his body. It felt like his stomach was filled with razor wire. The insects chittered and he spasmed and moaned. It was only when he felt a terrible squirming feeling beneath his skin that he realized the insects hadn't been protecting him. They had been protecting their young. No! Oh, fuck. Also, that gave me Ant-Man vibes at first. I was like, oh, maybe that's what this is. It's just the ants. They're trying to be nice to him. No, it's a little bit the fly. It's a, a little bit, um... I feel like there's some there's some movie that Men in like, Black with that the, that bug dude. Maybe no. There's a horror movie that is like it takes place in like a really poorly lit uh, hotel room. I think Michael Shannon's in it. Oh, that there's like there's bugs Ugh. and he like rips his. I think he rips his tooth out at one point. Oh, I could shit. be I could be misremembering the actors, but like I swear there's a movie like that. But it kind of reminded me of that. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. I won't be seeing it, but. <laughs> Sure. All right. Well, that's that. Yeah. That. Story time is over, children. Now go it to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I got I, a banshee. Screen. I know. And I will say, as you're sitting there in your story and you're talking about like the chittering of these little like bug creatures, and then Beans just sitting there going, <laughs> yep. And I was like, that's it. That's the chitters. Bean does the chitter. That's He'll my eat boy. you next. He will. Yep. Um, so, guys, it's the end of Spooktober. I mean, not fully. We've still got our, our video, our live Twitch I know. stream, but... I know. And, uh, check all of our social media for that, that mm-hmm. we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also on Patreon. Uh, we'll post all the information. When we know, you'll know. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, it, the information's probably already out there, especially because like this comes out on the twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. So um, we're really down to the wire. If we haven't said anything yet. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So check out all of that. And if you don't see anything, our email address is crimeculturepod at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to shoot us a, a message. Yeah. Drop us a line. Drop us a line. Send us a and, postcard. Um, I guess with that. With other things. <laughs> we'll see you in November, but we we'll will see, see you on you Halloween. Next Tuesday. Okay, but but... but- but also ha- Halloween. Yeah, but m- not everyone is going to be there. Yeah, but like we can't just not... D- Halloween is the whole reason we're here. Yeah, we'll see you on Halloween, but also <laughs> we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> this is all I do is I just annoy the shit out of Haley. <laughs> Bye. Bye. E- Actually, I did not like that, Ellie. You can get rid of that. That was, nope, that was cringy in. as nope. fuck. Jesus Christ. Okay, bye. Bye.